It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Monday, October 31st, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that thinks the Flyers maybe got spooked a little bit for Halloween. Oh, I see what you did. Yeah, I'm trying here. All right, let's get the show going. You're Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. That's where you'll keep up to date on our episodes and Flyers news. You can also email the show at lockdownflyers at gmail and we've got mailbags almost every week so send in your questions and we'll get them answered on the show on today's show we've got a little bit of flyers news uh mostly on the injury side of things again but isn't that the only news we get I know, I know, Russ. Uh, Then we're going to recap the game on Saturday against Carolina, and it's Monday, so we'll have our nemesis of the week. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So subscribe, you'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're also over on YouTube. So if you want to see our smiling faces, you can catch us over there as well. Russ, man, I don't know. It's uh, we're like uh, Tortorella said, we're trying to keep things glass half full here, but it's sometimes hard to do so with the injury news. We got an update on Sean Couturier. He had back surgery again. He's out three to four months, which I think is a pretty optimistic bet here. But you know, maybe maybe they're right. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Um, I just, the Couturier thing, you know, I I don't blame the Flyers for, but there's a caveat here. Chuck Fletcher did say in a very honest way, hey, like four months ago, he was kind of thinking this wasn't going to schedule for him. And four months ago, he should have looked at getting a center over the summer. Doesn't have to be a second line center because I get it. You can't always get a second line center. But there were some centers out there, and they didn't get one. And because at that point, he probably should have, you know, been proactive and said, all right, look, worst case scenario is I got an extra center. We can move him the wing, whatever. But on the off chance that Sean's not going to play because I kind of have my, you know, spidey sense going, even though he would never say that, um, you know, they could have done that. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair point, uh, especially given how faceoffs are going right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, at least a center that can take faceoffs a lot, I think, would have been good. But, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. But mm-hmm. Chuck Fletcher definitely had more insight into what was going on with Coots than anybody, you know, management wise. So fair point here. Uh, we got an update on JVR. His surgery went well you know, four to six weeks, more toward the six weeks, probably. So that's kind of what we already knew going into all this. Just a little surprise on the JVR front, um, how he took that surgery out of town. It's not a very complicated surgery. Just saying. 
well, maybe that's part of the new medical staff in terms of, you know, people who are trusted by people in the in the new staff. So I don't know. Or, or players are just deciding to, you know, use their own people at the moment because they feel more comfortable with that. It's one or the other. Yeah, it could be. Could be. We got unfortunate news yesterday in the Phantoms game. We're going to talk more about the Phantoms on tomorrow's show, but Cam York was hurt in their game on Sunday. He was helped off the ice, uh, wasn't putting weight on one of his legs heading off. It was just like a weird, awkward hit into the boards that I don't think you know, was vicious or intentional. It was just, I think how they connected going into the boards maybe had something to do with it, but, oh, I I don't like to hear that. (laughs) That's for sure. No. And I was just thinking it was about time for him to come up too. And so, you know, whether, you know, Tortorello thought that is a whole other story. This was just me thinking that. So yeah, again, just more injury news, as you said at the top of the uh, show. Well, I wanted to end this little segment on a high note, and it was very, very good to hear that the reason why Tanner Lazinski was out was a baby and not something yes. terrible that happened. So, Yes, that was very uh, nice to hear. Yes, much, much relief for me, and I wish them all the happiness in the world with the new We Won. But uh, talking about that game against Carolina, It was a tough one, I think, because they did, much like Tortorella say, play really well, I think, overall in the second and third period. The first period was kind of a dumpster fire, but the, the second two periods were mostly quality hockey. And you want to take the good out of it, like he said. And, you know, he said, you want to look at this game with the glass half full and uh, I think they absolutely could have won that game. And it was that unfortunate uh, turnover leading to that tying goal. Uh, Sandheim was used as a screen there, which, you know, it's unfortunate and it happens. And it's like, you want to be really upset about it. But also, this is kind of what happens sometimes when you play a very good team like Carolina. So a couple things. Um, I don't disagree with most of what you said, except you don't you know, get to pick out just the good when the bad is what led to a loss. And to me, it looked like a bad change and guys got on the ice late and they were sort of scrambly uh, when Carolina, you know, tied up that game, which was just over two minutes to go in the third. So it's hard to say, Hey, this was a great third period when that happened. So then you say, okay, forget about that. In overtime, other than Konechny, nobody really had a, any kind of chances for the flyers and they got steamrolled in overtime and Hart was great. Like he did all he could. So again, why aren't we talking about that now to me? Uh, they had only played, I think once maybe in preseason and overtime and no mm-hmm. one, none in regular season. And just based on the way we had heard how practices and everything else were going, I don't know how much they practiced overtime. And maybe that's why the coach didn't want to talk about it. But, you know, my issue is you don't get to pick out just the good. The media does get to talk about why you lost the game, too. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely but He didn't want to talk fair. about that. He didn't. No, he did not. He was very insistent. And we talked when Torts was hired that sometimes he's going to rant and he's going to 
you know, really dig into some guys. And, you know, when he benches guys, he's going to make a big show of it. Uh, but we also said that he was going to sometimes go to bat for the team and try to you know, be that decoy so that nobody went after the players. And I'm not saying this is definitely one of those scenarios, but it felt like it to me a little bit. Sure. Um, two things I also took out of that game. The Wade Allison comments from him was sort of like he gave him a backhanded compliment on the goal, but then pointed out the three things that he's still doing wrong. And, you know, my feeling is, well, you limited him to like eight minutes in that game and you actually got production that could have helped you win the game, but you're still harping on that stuff. Like, again, this is not a perfect world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at some point you have to give these guys a little bit of runway to learn. Now, clearly he is only because he doesn't have other options. If he had other options, he may be doing something else. And I feel very worried about when Tanner Lisinski comes back and what might happen to Morgan Frost, because he, you know, Frost got less time than Bellows and we could talk about Bellows's debut and all that, but he got less time than that. And, you know, coach already talked about him two or three games ago that he, you know, was not doing great. And the thing is he's out of, you know, waiver. He has no waiver exemption. So if you set him down, he can get picked up and, there's still a few of us in the press box that think the Flyers still might do that because, uh, at you know, at some point they just may not care. Like that's how the Flyers got Kiefer Bellows as an example. So it does happen in the league. It happened with Albe Cabell. It could happen again. It absolutely could. Uh, I don't know that they would right now, given the center situation, but one can never tell with the Flyers. That is for sure. Uh, we are going to continue talking about this game. We will talk about Kiefer Bellows and his Flyers debut coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. Find all the later player developments team matchups, news and podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you could find. As always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including the World Series, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline where the game starts. This season is in full swing and so is Locked On's Game to Game. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked On Game to Game covers every NHL game from across the league with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Locked On Game to Game on the Locked On NHL channel. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Russ, I want to continue where we left off in, you know, with Wade Allison getting critiqued, Morgan Frost getting critiqued. And, you know, I think there were some really good performances in that game that got overlooked sure. just because I think there was so much focus on the negative with losing in overtime. So I want to make sure we cover that. And Owen Tippett was one of those guys. Uh, three really solid shots on goals. He got that goal. Uh, really good defensive play on a, a Canes breakaway. And I think he's 
slowly but steadily getting there. Yeah, there's no question he's he's playing with a little more confidence. The defensive play was impressive. The uh, the goal was good. He went five hole and and he moved in. He got a little closer with that, which was good. Uh, so those were good signs early on. You know, he didn't have some good times on the power play, but he did the whole team. Like the whole team looked kind of lousy on mm-hmm. it. So, uh, but it did get better for him, and and he did have a good game, and hopefully he could build on that. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I also want to talk about Kiefer Bellows in his Flyers debut. I thought he was fine, uh, just under 12 minutes of ice time which was, I think, a little more than some of the other guys that maybe should have gotten sometime. But I think they just wanted to look at him, to be honest. Well, I think it was also because, you know, in some of the scrums, he was very physical like he is. And, you know, he does a fair amount of junk talk. And so I think they they like that. Uh, he was on the ice for one goal. That's fine. It happens. But I, I did see um, good decisions. I, I saw some good skating by him. Again, he's not a sniper, you know, let's not call him a sniper, but he is a guy that could score uh, some goals with a really good shot. And I think if he gets some runway here, like I had said with other guys, you play him four or five games, you might start scoring. If you play him two or three and you're not seeing anything and you say, well, I gave him a chance, then, you know, you're probably not going to get what you hope to get. Yeah, I definitely need more data on him yes. as a as a flyer and just trying to find the right spot for him. I think that might take a little bit of time as well, just to see where the chemistry works. Yeah. Uh, just because I like with Frost and McEwen, that's just a weird combination of guys out it there. Is. So I think that he might benefit from some slightly different line mates. Um, maybe with Lazinski at center for him might be actually a good option if Lisinski gets back in that slot i mean you would hope Lisinski would draw in and and McEwen would be the guy out mm-hmm. uh but i don't sense that that's the case i don't know i guess we'll see um be rough news for tanner Lisinski after having a baby but <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know they're doing what's best for the team obviously or what they think is best for the team uh, i do want to talk a little bit about the face-offs. I mentioned, you know, they've been struggling a little bit, but they were above 50% in this game. So I'm going to call that progress and a little bit of a win. And Lucas Sedlak is actually improving the Flyers' face-off percentage. He was really solid in the last game. Uh, this one, he was 6-2. and two. Yeah, that was a really good game for Sedlak. I- I'm not willing to say he's going to do that all the time. We'll see uh, what happens with that. Uh, you know, Hayes was good on face-offs that game. But he was above 50% for the first time. Yeah. But still the other parts of his game, I know he's got a lot of points, but we're all looking at the other things that a center is supposed to do. And he's not doing great with that. So I don't know what to say about that, but right now he has points. So that part doesn't really matter, I guess. But Anisimov skated with the team and there's a belief that the 50th contract will go to him. um, I think they're already at 50. They would have to offload somebody because of Bellows. Yeah, with Bellows unless so maybe at that point, you know, what we talked about with Morgan Frost, maybe that's what happens to get Anisimov in there. But there's a belief that Anisimov will get in there because, you know, he's a veteran center. Like it or not, we'll see. It could cause some, you know, uh, some surus. You could look that one up uh, 
um, from within the Flyers fan base. <laughs> Consternation is another good word. There you go. For that. Uh, I also want to call out the penalty kill, which was successful again. They were four for four. Uh, and they're one of the the power plays that Canes had, they got five shots on goal and Carter Hart saved them. But I think the other three, they limited shots really well. And Flyers got uh, three shots on goal themselves on the PK. Yeah, PK was mostly good. uh, But towards, again, in this miraculous third period that Tort said that the Flyers had, Carter Hart was under siege. Mm -hmm. He was. And, And if Carter Hart didn't play like Carter Hart, I'm not sure... John Tortorella would have had the same opinion about that period because again, he had to really, like you said, on that one power play, he was going post to post to post. He was on, you know, he was sitting down, he's making saves. Like it was rough. It really was. And there was and... one that looked like it did go in, but it didn't, like in the corner when it was in the uh, the far corner. So that's how close it was. Yeah, I think both goaltenders actually had some pretty incredible saves in this yeah. one. I think Ronta was a huge factor in why the, the Canes ultimately won the game. I think that there were periods where the Flyers had a lot of pressure and Ronta saved them, you know, a couple uh, breakaways and, and situations like that. So I, I felt like it was a pretty even goaltending match in this one. Yeah, it was. I think you're right. I also want to talk about maybe somebody who we've been criticizing a little bit, but I thought, took a step forward and that's Tony D'Angelo. Um, he took more shots than he had in this game. And I think, you know, that's something we had talked about now, you know, he didn't score in this one, but uh, I think that he just felt more offensively focused to me than he had. Yeah. The offensive part was better. Although the first couple of power plays, he still wasn't shooting enough. And then all of a sudden he did start shooting. So you're right about that. But the penalty he took was bad. Cause that was another mm-hmm. one of those, after the whistle stuff and refs are starting to get tired of that with him. And so he's going to at some point become like a marked guy for that and get in the box more often than not just for nonsense. So he needs to to cut that out. Yeah, I think so too. It it was a little bit dicey and questionable to me, Uh one of the calls, but you know, he's, if he's going to be marked like that, he's got to just take that into consideration and, yeah. and cut it out and skate away, which I know is hard for him. But sometimes, you know, when you have a reputation, that's what you got to do. It's true. Uh, penalty kill was not great. Uh, I think, I'm sorry, the power play. Yeah, power I was going to say. Not, yeah. yeah, the power, penalty kill was fine. It's the power play that was not great. And I, I one for six which is not stellar. I think, you know, being able to, it stinks. No, no, it stinks. Well, I was trying to be delicate about it, but there probably shouldn't be honestly. (laughs) No, because like it really did take him a while for, for D'Angelo to start shooting, but it's not all his fault. Like there's Mm -hmm. the the way it was crazy how uh, they could never really get set on the first couple of power plays. Like they just, they just never got set. They just weren't like in position. And the other thing is they never seem to rotate. Like Tippett stays on that one side. He never rotates to the other side. Once in a while, I feel like halfway through, if things aren't working, you should rotate. And they just seem to have a refusal to do that too. 
Yeah, it helps with the cycling and puck yes. movement when you do that. Yeah. So I, I think that's a, a really good thought and in a way that they could improve the the power play. But yeah, I think all in all, this was a winnable game that they did not win, but there were some good things about it and good takeaways. So I want to just take that going into this upcoming week which we will probably be talking about a little bit in the I next I wish we had an overlay for like moral victory and we could have like you know fireworks <laughs> and stuff cuz that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah, we are. But again, that was kind of the mantra of this season going into it. You know, we're going to probably lose a bunch of games, but we're going to try and see what good comes out of them and look for progression and I think this is a prime example of one of those games that we talked about preseason. That's fair. All right. We'll be back to name our nemesis of the week coming up next. If you are newer to Locked On Flyers, each and every Monday, we look at the week upcoming and say, what is our nemesis? What's bothering us the most? What's scaring us the most about the upcoming week? I think, you know, it being Halloween, things that are scary is very appropriate. And uh, last week when we named a nemesis, uh, I talked about keeping the energy up for the long haul because there was a lot of heavy, you know, uh, scrums along the boards. There was the blocking shots. And, you know, what is the durability of this team? And, and can they keep this up for an 82 game season? And so there was some concern around that. Uh, for me, this week, it is this huge back to back against the Rangers and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, it has been looming on the schedule. And I think especially given the injuries, it's even bigger of a of a threat than it was. Yeah, I think I they may go hard back to back. I honestly have that feeling. Yeah, it's, it's very, very possible that they do that. I think Toronto's in a little bit of a scramble mode. Uh, a little last bit. Night, they switched up their lines. Uh, as of recording, we don't know how that panned out for them. But uh, we'll obviously be talking about that more as we approach that game. But I think that the Rangers are in pretty good position right now. Um, of course, you Although know, they're, they're at Mullet Arena. Who knows what's happening with them? <laughs> well, yeah, uh, we'll see what happens there. <laughs> but I still think that these two games are just a huge benchmark for the Flyers and yes. in trying to establish their identity for the season. Can they go on the road back to back and find some success? Can they figure out the power play? You know, all of these things I think are huge questions and who will slot in based on all of the various pieces and parts are kind of an unknown. And against opponents like that, you really have to optimize your lineup. No question. All right. So mine, sit back. This is going to take a minute, but for all of the cosplayers and people who love Halloween, uh, when you're taking online pictures or you're at a rink, show something. Well, at the rink, it's harder, but, you know, show us some context as to who you're trying to dress up as. Because I have to tell you, most of the time, people are not putting like, hey, it's me, the Joker, or the Joker's picture behind them, or you get the idea. Like, I'm seeing all kinds of different costumes and no context. And I got to tell you people, we can't guess every one of them. 
Some of them are bad so that we can't guess them because they're bad. And some of them are great, but we just don't know what it is that you dressed up as because we're not into the same thing. So help us out here. Like, it's just, it's a very simple thing. Well, you know, Russ, it's very interesting that you say that because I may have mentioned this on the show, but very recently I attended New York Comic Con Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of people that dress up in cosplay Mm -hmm. for that, similar to Halloween. And there was a costume that I saw a bunch of times on various different people around. And I was just like, what is this costume? So because I had that thought, I went up to somebody in that costume and I said, hey, what is that? And they told me it was a Pokemon thing. And I was like, oh, I don't really know Pokemon that well. That's right. why I didn't know it. And now I know what your costume is. And I walked away happy. So maybe right, but all on you Instagram, have to do is ask. Yeah. Well, but you can't on Instagram. So on Instagram, it's ruined. Comment and say, no, it's, it, it ruins it at that point. You know, that person's getting mad if you're asking because they spent a long time on it. I get it. Most of them look really good. I don't but think I, they would be mad. No. All right. No. I really So if don't. I put what the hell is that, you don't think they would get mad? No. I have also Googled things. I've just described what the costume is in words, and sometimes a picture of it pops up, and then I know. Okay. But uh, I think, yeah, there are ways to find these things out without being insulting. And okay. I've been around a lot of cosplayers, and no, almost nobody minds when you ask. So. No, cosplayers are really good about it. I, I, I've covered a lot of Comic-Con, so I, I get it. The Instagram crowd, I'm not sure. We'll see. Yeah. Well, uh, Proveroff and, and Drake had some good costumes. Uh, they did Men in Black together, which was really funny. <laughs> but uh, I love them every Halloween. They do really good stuff. But they do. You know who else had a really good costume for Halloween, Russ? Uh, I think I, I saw Claude Giroux's son uh, going somewhere for Halloween. But is that who you're getting at, Gavin? No. No. I'm going to talk about Gritty, and that is our Flyers fun Ah. thing of the day. And uh, that costume as Barbie was absolutely phenomenal. And it's like the Barbie from the new Barbie movie, which is like, that thing is just going to be absolute madness. I think it's going to be an incredible film, unsuspectingly. Wait, you just but, called it a film. Nothing Barbie is a film. I don't care if yes, Margot Robbie's in it. It's not a film. It's garbage. You haven't seen it, Russ. It doesn't matter. Is it going to win? You is it going to win an Academy Award? Those are films. Some films are not meant to win awards. If you want to call it a movie, call it a movie. I That's what care. I'm going to call it a movie. Okay. But yeah, Gritty did a You're good job. Being no a curmudgeon today. No, but I'm just saying, Barbie and Ken is like the most basic of basic things that could ever be done for a movie and i have a feeling it will run 45 minutes too long for me simply because they're going to run out of content for that well russ i would like to point out they made an emoji movie so there's always something a little more did you see it i didn't see it did not see it but i'm not gonna pan it i rest my case i rest my case that's it done here my work's done well Our work is done here as well for Locked On Flyers. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back again tomorrow with a full preview of Flyers versus New York Rangers. And we'll have our weekly Phantoms check-in. Hopefully we'll have an update on Cam York for that one. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Locked On Flyers. Or you can email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. 
I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. It's the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on Odyssey, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day, everyone.